When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, you're listening to the 4th, 5th, and 6th Bash Brothers. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello. That's Kevin. Howdy. That was okay, right? That was a good intro. I like it. Alright, alright. Fair enough. Are you 4th, I'm 5th, and Kevin is 6th? Best for last. Okay. (laughs) We We can say that. Uh... Again, a little foreshadowing there, because Tommy, what's our topic today? The Bash Brothers themselves, the original. Exactly. The well, who's the third? Kenny, Kenny Wu. Wu. Oh yeah. Woo woo woo. Kenny Wu. <laughs> Wu Tang. Yeah. All right. So and do you think so, that's what they call them? Call them. Yeah. Wu Tang. They, 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 yeah. they should. Yeah, that's good. I'm surprised we haven't brought that up yet. Anyway, we we got way off topic right away. <laughs> that was bad. All right, Fulton and Portman, their relationship. As Tommy said, very like iconic part of the series. I mean, like the A's had like the kind of Bash Brothers nickname, but I feel like the Mighty Ducks really pushed that into pop culture with Fulton and Portman. And obviously, they don't interact until D two, when Portman is introduced and he's pushing people around, and Fulton kind of goes, "Who does this guy think he is?" They argue. And then Bombay ties them all up. They clash. Fultman wants to go left. Uh, Fultman. Portman <laughs> wants to go left. Fulton wants to go right. But all of a sudden, everything kind of changes and they become best friends. So what kind of changes there? Yeah, I, it's never really explained when you really think about it. They just it's kind of just magically all better. I mean, it's kind of like one of those montages where, you know, they have all this team building. And, and I mean, you can see it in pretty much any... You know, similar documentary, um, but and magically everything's just all better. I, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe they just had a you know a heart to heart chat. One, you know, one night before they drank their water and and, and slept in their beds before jumping <laughs> jumping around. And, you know. I imagine it was just something very subtle, like in the locker room, like. Fulton is like putting on like a like a Metallica headband or something. Portman goes, "Oh, you like Metallica?" Fulton's like, "Yeah." Cool, and then it kind of like something yeah. very small, right. yeah. and they they realize that, you know, a we're teammates, so we have to get along because they're both. I mean, they come off as pretty stupid, but I, I think they know like how to build a winning team. But they they realize that, you know, th- there's got to be two of us, and we can kind of embrace this. It doesn't have to be like me. I'm the enforcer. You know, I'm the you know I'm the hard ass. They can kind of do it together. Yeah, maybe maybe one day Blake Portman accidentally started listening to. Fulton's like a Walkman, you know, and there was a <laughs> yeah. there was a Metallica tape in there. Yeah, it just sounds weird to say. Well, didn't have iPods back then. No, <laughs> that was way back in the day. So, obviously, the big scene for them is that they blow curfew. Then they see Bombay with the Iceland chick. Mm-hmm. They freak out. They tell Bombay, which is stupid. Why are you telling your coach you just like you saw him out? You, <laughs> you yeah, blew we curfew. busted curfew. Yeah, <laughs> and then so. 
watching it, Portman kind of freaks out first. Fulton kind of goes along with it. And, I mean, later on, it's Portman who's, like, taking the penalties first and whatnot. And Fulton goes along with it. Is Portman the leader here? I think I think Fulton kind of does kind of follow him along. We talked about this in earlier episodes, how Fulton is kind of like a silent leader. But now that, you know, Fulton is kind of being introduced to kind of this bigger world, because for all we know, he kind of spent his entire life in Minneapolis and hasn't really seen much. And so Portman, who's, you know, kind of this uh, this cool guy, and so he's latched onto him, and Portman likes Fulton, obviously. So it's like, oh, cool, you know, the, this this cool guy likes me. You know, we're, we're going to hang out, and he just kind of goes with the flow. And so I think later on, Fulton will probably be the, you know, reason like, hey, you know, he was just chasing some tail. We'd do the same thing. But because Portman kind of makes a big deal out of it, Fulton immediately just follows along instead of kind of stopping to think about it. Okay. That's interesting that kind of Fulton looks at Portman as like this cool guy, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that makes sense because I, I feel like Fulton and D1, he wasn't really like concerned really much about much of anything. He was just doing his own thing. And mm-hmm. then he gets out in the world and he sees Portman and he sees this new world. Yeah, I can I can dig it. Quick, quick question. Do you think their relationship stunted Fulton's growth as a hockey player because he just started playing like a goon because of Portman? It's a good question. That's a good question. I think, I do think Portman was a bad influence on him. Yeah. And, and this is something I was going to bring up later, but we can do it right now. Because Portman, I mean, his job is to be the enforcer, to be the goon. And Fulton really, like... He, I guess he couldn't skate well enough to be, like, super physical, except now he's on the national team and he is. <laughs> so I, I do think Fulton kind of got away from developing his skills and just started hitting people using his size and then just kind of relying on his shot. That's a good point. Like, Fulton, really, I, he could have taken an even higher jump had he not met Poorman. Do you agree with this, Tommy? I agree. Okay. Um, but I do think the Bash Brothers dynamic was important to the team. It's true. You know, I think guys like Averman would look up and say, like, oh, like, obviously you always say, oh, Fulton's got our back, you know, when we're playing Iceland. But then you see Portman, it was like, wow, this guy's like an animal. And then Fulton and Portman was like, oh, these guys are going to, you know, tear Iceland apart. Look at them. You know, they're going to be fantastic defenders or whatever. And so I think having both of them like that is good for the the morale, morale of the team. And then also, like, when Portman goes out in the first Iceland game, maybe they're like, okay, well, we'll still got Fulton. But obviously, having only one of them, we, we saw in D2 and D3, it really doesn't work for the team. you got to have both. Yeah. So, Portman, we talked about Portman, like, kind of getting Fulton out, breaking curfew, and kind of uh, stunning his growth as a hockey player. Is he a bad influence? Is this a net positive or a net gain? I, I, I would say it's a positive. I, I mean, kind of just going to the fact that it does give them, you know, it gives, it gives them an identity, you know, and it gives the fans, uh, you know, a, something to latch on to. You know, they kind of embrace. They the probably whole, made T-shirts, yeah, Bash Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They T-shirts, you know, signs everywhere, you know. And I, I think that helped as, in terms of the popularity for the Ducks or, you know, for the, for the mm-hmm. national team, uh, for that matter. Um, and, I, I mean, obviously it helps on the ice um, because they need it against Iceland in particular. 
so I think it's a good, I, you know, I think it's a good thing. I, I think it's it's good overall, but I think the coaching staff has to be wary of how it affects everyone on the team. I think most most of the team like loves it, but I think you got a guy like Terry who's like even who's already kind of you know pouty about not being the best player anymore. And Jesse, yeah, or sorry, yeah, Jesse. I'm Terry. He's not even <laughs> on the like team Terry. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Jesse, know, they're they're brothers. So all right. Jesse, uh, and so now he sees Fulton, who was always kind of like a, the strong, you know, mm-hmm. strong leader. Um, now he's getting even more attention, while while Jesse is just kind of relegated to uh, you know second line or something. And obviously Keenan kind of you know yells at him, and you can tell everything's kind of boiling over for Jesse. And so I think it's definitely going to be a tough uh, coaching job for for Bombay to make sure that everyone is happy when Fulton and Portman are kind of getting all this attention. You can imagine, like, the media, like, flocks to them and always wants to talk to them when maybe they should be talking to Banks or Charlie or Jesse. So Did you just refer to Russ as Keenan? Yeah, yeah, Keenan. Sorry. (laughs) Wow. Rough. Rough night for Tommy today. Yeah. Russ, Tyler. I don't know who Keenan is, whoever that is. All right, let's talk about the Bash Brothers nickname real quick. We've obviously we've established that this Junior Goodwill Games hockey tournament is really about well, there's a major factor in just marketing these kids from different geographical areas and and pushing hockey in maybe non-traditional markets from Don Tibbles. And Don Tibbles establishes the nickname does he know what he's doing there? Like trying to create? Does he? Is this a? Is the Bash Brothers another kind of marketing ploy? Maybe he did kind of plant it. Maybe he he you know accidentally stumbled upon it too. You know maybe he's like oh yeah we'll call him the Bash Brothers and he's like wait a second we can totally we can play that you know, mm. you know we can use that and and we can run with that. So maybe he kind of stumbled upon it, but I, I it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him you know if it yeah. was you know a marketing ploy all along. I think so. I, I think it might have been to begin with because remember when they first or they're first introduced to Portman and uh, Bombay's like that guy's a teenager, mm. and Tibble's like he's an enforcer. You're going to need him when you play Iceland, and so he knows what he's bringing. So I don't know if Tibble's is thinking more of you know in hockey sense or be like yeah we're going to market the shit out of this guy, and then whenever Fulton and and Portman start doing their thing, I think Tibble's you know snaps. He's a, he's a bright guy, obviously. And you know he's able to kind of network, and he probably pushes them real hard as being the Bash Brothers. So it's I don't think it was something that he originally was like, all right, we gotta you know create these Bash Brothers. But he sees it, and he's able to kind of run with it. He does like Portman a lot, even from the beginning. Like, oh look at this guy, he's an enforcer, you know, yeah. like that. So is he is he thinking right away that Portman's gonna be kind of like this kind of star of the team or this 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 figure? That people can go to. I think he um, he looks as Portman as kind of like a you know rough guys you know probably not necessarily from like a super wealthy area. You know, he's from Chicago. He might you know you know very blue collar kind of hockey player, and that's what they want to push. Definitely, they don't want to push. Oh, like Banks. I mean, who can relate to Banks? He's you know very very wealthy. You know, yeah. upper class. You know, um, just great at hockey. He's been playing all his life. And Portman, you know, maybe he just picked up hockey at like 13 and like a like after school program or something like that and 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 Tibble said okay this is the kind of guy that middle america could relate to yeah, like latch on to him yeah yeah and, and he's from the midwest and mm-hmm. i think you need to you know have that guy there that isn't just minnesota because you might have people who's like oh i hate minnesota hockey you know i'm all about you know whatever michigan or whatever or, yeah and illinois and you know i i want to stay with my region but then you see this guy who's from chicago he's like oh, okay well 
you know, I can relate to him better. You know, he, he's from a big city like me, and, you know, I hate those Minnesota kids, but I like Portman, so. Now, you touched on this a little bit there, a little bit in the past. Do they get too much credit for what they do? Because, I mean, they do, I don't have the, the statistics in front of me anymore, uh, but they, they, they score a little bit, and, like, so they do make an offensive contribution and whatnot. They take a lot of penalties. Yeah. <laughs> Do they yeah. get too much credit for the success the U.S. had? I don't know. It's hard to measure something like that too because it can have a galvanizing effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like like a manager getting tossed from a baseball game. You like know, when it's Dwayne not gets good from a strategy standpoint, but from a you know a brawl raw standpoint, it you know it fires your team up. Yeah, Dwayne got the two minutes for roping. That's the penalty that you know fired up the team. Greatest penalty ever. <laughs> But yeah, she'd been kicked I mean, out of the tournament, by the way. I think it's tough to measure the impact in that sense. But yeah, they probably took too many penalties. Okay. Now, but did do you think the media recognized that, or were they just all in on the Bash Brothers? I think they were all in on the Bash Brothers. I, okay. I don't think. I mean, I think they buy whatever the Bash Brothers are selling them. I mean. I, I think they love it. That's good TV right there. I mean, yeah, and I, I definitely think that Portman is kind of being coached up by Tibbles. Hey, just say whatever you want, man. Like, you are, you know, you're one of the faces of this team. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and, and speak your mind. All right, and obviously Portman. So Portman gets kicked out of the first Iceland game, breaks a stool on his knee in the locker room, comes back out, tries to like jump Sanderson. Uh, I mean, is there something? Is he, is this Royds? What like, what is wrong with Dean Portman? I think, I think I think Royds is a pretty easy answer. I mean, he's pretty big. He's a big dude. I also think that like he has reason to be pissed for getting tossed in the game. Like whoever like if it was Sanderson who he like shoved down, and he's like that's intent to injure. You're out of here. I think that was a definitely dive on his on the guy's part. And I think Portman is kind of like a. You know, you play the game right, you don't ever dive. It's supposed to be a physical game. And so Portman is obviously pissed. And I think at that age, you know, if you're pissed about something, you're just going to go off. And, you know, there might be some kind of, you know, I don't think he's roaring or anything like that, but Kevin disagrees. I definitely disagree. <laughs> but his, his temper tantrum was pretty crazy. At that point, you you got to have, like, an assistant, like, take him and cal- calm him down. Yeah. And so he can, like, watch the game and cheer on his friends. And if you just see him getting pissed, like, at Sanderson, the rest of the team is going to be like, oh, my God, and, you know, that could really affect them. And maybe it did. Maybe that's why they lost, what, 12-1? to 1? Yeah. I think part of him getting kicked out was him bumping the ref after, even though it was unintentional. The ref the ref kind of dove there. So that, who knows what was going on with Same the ref. take? Exactly. I don't know. That's another topic for another time. But Bombay should have, I think, gone to his guy's defense more yeah poor coaching by bombay all around just sending him to the locker room with nobody and then really not doing anything he was just like ah oh, come on uh so second iceland game they fall down 4-1 second period well i guess at the end of the second it's 4-1 but so they fall down early second period Fulton and Portman, they put on their bandanas. They start hitting people. Uh, they get the crowd fired up. They bash in the heads of everyone on the Iceland bench. 
and then get, they get penalties <laughs> for that. So again, a lot of penalties, and then there's also the roping penalty from Dwayne. Uh, were there penalties necessary? Because the, were there penalties necessary? Because you are down by a lot of goals, and you're just wasting time. And obviously, Gordon recognized that in his talk to the team after the second. But was that? Did that flip the momentum, or could just like the roping penalty have done the exact same thing? I think theirs were more necessary than the roping penalty, just just to get the crowd fired up, to get their team fired up, and kind of just to shove the bully back, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's a good point, I like it, that, to yeah. To started, you know, to start a little run. I mean, it would be tough to climb out of that hole, you know, having them spending so much time in the penalty box, but I think it was necessary from a team standpoint, and from a crowd standpoint. I want to say that the Ducks must have some great, like, penalty, penalty kill units to not, like, be down 7-1. Yeah. Going into the third or something like that, uh, whoever's you know playing defense there when when you've got what at least two guys in the penalty box or something like that or mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's good job. Yeah, that is that's a great kind of underrated aspect of the Ducks' game. Just how much they had to kill penalties and they really got it done. Uh, so they come out and Fulton, you know, he takes a slap shot. They score D three. We go, and Fulton obviously isn't happen, happy. Portman Portman bails early, and there's some talk that he bailed become, because Bombay bailed. Uh, is that the real reason? Is there anything else that could have been going on there? Or what, what happened there? Maybe he got in trouble or something. You know, maybe he was you know in juvie or something. You know, and and so then Eden Hall wouldn't take him. Or, or he just physically couldn't be there, um, or something along those lines. Um, he might have also been, uh, I don't want to say afraid, but not wanting to go to Eden Hall. Like, hey, this is a super stuffy. rich preppy. Yeah. yeah, it's like, that's not me. And I can imagine Fulton really trying to get him to do it, but you know, I think it really shows the difference that Fulton sticks to his, his guns, he sticks to his teammates. You know, He's a duck through and through, while Portman was just kind of like a you know, uh, a ringer, essentially. And so Fulton was was sticking with uh, Eden Hall, even though it, it might not be the best thing for him, especially if he's really not as good a player. So, Yeah, I do not believe that Portman bailed because Bombay bailed, because it did not seem like they had really a great relationship yeah. there. So you're they make sense it makes sense that like he might have gotten in trouble or he was like scared he just didn't want to like leave Chicago or whatever. But then he comes back at the end but before that how is how is Fulton kind of affected by this obviously at the beginning he's he's mad when they're talking in the alley but is he affected after that at once they actually get to the Eden Hall Academy I think it'd be impossible for him not to be I mean you know he's basically without his best friend on the team other than Charlie I guess but um, you know, he, and maybe that's kind of why he does gravitate more toward Charlie in that sense. And then they just become knuckleheads. But, uh, I, I think it affects him a lot. And I, I think it's pretty evident in how he does, you know, he's, he, he's trying to find something to replace Portman basically the end, the entire time. And, and then he kind of just latches onto the rest of the team. Yeah, I think so. It definitely affects him. I know in, in D1, you kind of saw Fulton as his loner. And then in D2, I guess, and then he's embraced by the team. And so he realizes that, you know, he's got something else to play for, not just himself. And then D2, you got Portman, and he realizes, hey, you know, there's other guys like me, you know, kind of, you know, tough customer. 
in the third one, he's also he's got to reestablish himself again. And so I think his play probably really suffers. Although at the same time, I think Coach Orion is probably the kind of guy who could help him break in, break out of those bad habits. And so I think by the end of it, I think Fulton is able to become a pretty good player without Portman. But I bet you he's, he really struggles in the beginning of the season. He does kind of uh, revert kind of like back into his shell yeah. in D3 because we don't really hear much from him. And then he kind of quits the team and whatnot. Um, but him and Charlie, obviously in D1, they were the two guys to go out for Bombay like when everyone else didn't want to go. And then Fulton gets with – so obviously they have a good relationship. And Fulton becomes friends with Portman. And then D3, he and Charlie quit. So is there – is Fulton – I mean, Fulton's been obviously taking a lot of penalties, breaking curfew with Portman. And he's quitting the team with Charlie. Is there something about Fulton? Is Fulton the problem here? Is that is, are we missing that? I think we we've touched on this in earlier episodes. Fulton is a very loyal guy, and so I think he just did not understand, like in like in uh, in D three, he did not understand that he needed to be loyal to uh, his team, and and he needed to be the one to talk sense into Charlie, and so I think maybe Portman uh, abandoning the Ducks perhaps that really kind of skewed Fulton into not having the correct mindset. And so maybe he did kind of, you know, he went out with Charlie in a, in a false sense of loyalty. He was like, yeah, you got to stay true to Charlie, but you got to talk back on the team. You can't just abandon him. You can't abandon the team and then abandon him again by going back to the team. And so I don't really think Fulton's the, the problem. Um, it's just I think he just ha- he struggles with his identity. I think I, I think and this might be overly harsh, but he's uh, almost too easily manipulated. I, I don't know if manipulated is quite the right word, but he you know he falls he falls in with people very easily, and you know will follow them till the ends of the earth basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's a a, a fault of his. Um, I mean, it works out in his favor often as well but i mean it, it, you can see how easily he can kind of skew off the off the correct path i guess yeah yeah i think that's a good point like if portman was in trouble like like uh let's say portman got into something something bad i could see fulton being there for him like being his driver yeah his getaway driver or it's something like hey you know i i don't want to be involved but i'll make sure you don't get in trouble yeah. and so fulton is definitely the kind of guy you can mix up in the wrong crowd even though his intentions might be good yeah, like Portman would be like, "Hey, can you hold my weed for me?" And he would uh, yeah, do yeah. it, you know. Or Fulton would like give him clean urine or something. Yeah, like that. exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's a solid. Like the loyalty is a really an aspect we can't really touch on enough with Fulton because even in D two, he's best friends with Portman, but they're stretching, and Portman calls Julie babe, and then Banks comes to defend Julie. And then the best he, line in the series: "Don't he, tell me how to talk, rich boy." <laughs> yeah, and Portman gets in trouble, and Fulton he loves the duck, so he even steps to Portman in that situation. So yeah, Fulton very loyal. Uh, if you want more on the loyalty, go back to whatever episode we talked about Fulton reading because that was a great one. <laughs> uh, I mean, overall here, looking at the Portman Fulton relationship, obviously. We have a lot of different aspects from stunning Port or Fulton's growth, Portman kind of like not being, uh, not coming to Eden Hall, kind of scared. What? Well, first of all, what makes Portman 
coming back? Is it really just Bombay and his like lawyer said he should get the scholarship? I think Bombay probably has a heart to heart with Portman, say, "Hey, this is what these guys are are dealing with." You know, for whatever reason, you you kind of left them. You know, we're not going to get into that, but this is what they're doing, and they need you. You know, Fulton needs you, Charlie needs you, and you know they're struggling without you. And you know, it's you know I feel like you made a commitment to the Ducks in D two, and you kind of broke that, but there's still a chance for you to to go back. So I do think Bombay convinced him. I don't think it was just kind of like. Hey, you should go back. And he's like, sure. I think they probably had a heart to heart or something. Because Portman, I think deep down, is kind of like Fulton. He does have that loyalty, and and you know he bonded with the Ducks, obviously. So, or either that, or he got like kicked out of school or kicked off his team back in Chicago, and he needed a place to land, you know, to get a fresh start, so to speak. And so, and it just happened to work out. Or maybe you know? he he wanted to get out of you know whatever trouble he was in. He was like, you know what, I've got Eden Hall there. I'm gonna go there and. I'll, you know, on a hot well, yeah. I mean, it could have, I mean, it both could have happened. You yeah. know, he got kicked out or kicked off the team or whatever, and he's like, all right, I need to get my head on straight, and I'll go down to Eden Hall and, you know, take care of business. So does Portman, like, fly in and immediately go to the ice rink? Or does, like, how does he just show up yeah. in the second intermission? Yeah, like, did he even enroll in classes? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming this is an exhibition game, so, like, most of the rules That's don't true. matter because of JV varsity. But, yeah, I, I was very confused about that. But, anyway... Back to what I was saying a little while ago. We have this whole kind of range of Portman and Fulton doing bad things. Portman and Fulton changing momentum. They're taking penalties, but they might be necessary penalties. Overall, do the Ducks, I mean, do they, who needs each other more, Portman and Fulton? Or do the Ducks need to do, okay, rewind. Do Portman and Fulton need the Ducks more, or do the Ducks need those two more? I think the Ducks need those two more. Because, I mean, just from a personal sense, I, I think Portman's going to do what Portman's going to do, you know, uh, wherever he's playing. Fulton, he had, I mean, he had fallbacks, you know, he had his football and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But the Ducks aren't who they are without those two. Um, as their kind of spiritual backbone, I guess. Um, they're, you know, they're raw, raw, fire them up type guys. So that's what I think. I agree. Because um, if you look at the roster without those two, and let's say you don't have, you don't have Fulton, you don't have Portman, and you don't have Banks. And that's what the JV team is. And then Charlie left. And you're looking at a very crappy, you know, team basically. And Fulton, you know, <laughs> without Charlie or, or, or Portman, he's probably not playing up to his ability. So they're probably not a very good team without everyone. And so I think it was it's important to have Portman and Fulton there. Because, A, I think if Portman's there to begin with, I'm not sure they're losing, you know, games. I don't think they're like a 9-9. I don't think they're tying Blake 9-9, giving up nine goals in the third period. Portman's not Blake. letting that happen. Yeah, Blake. I mean, come on. Come on. Blake Bears. Blake Bears. And so the Ducks need them more. Um, but at the same time, Fulton and Portman, they need the Ducks, too. I mean, they couldn't just go to any team. I don't think Portman and Fulton are the kind of guys who can just go to, like, uh, like they would have probably have to go to college together. I don't think they'd ever want to, like, be separated again on another hockey team. I think they'd realize, okay, we got this great thing going. Let's, package deal. Yeah, let's, let's do this as long as we can. Um, but to answer your question, I, I do think the Ducks need them more. I agree. I think... I mean, even in the JV varsity showdown, when Portman shows up, he flips the momentum there. So, I mean, that's two 
huge game. So you saw that Portman and really Fulton got it done uh, with a little help from Kenny Wu. But the third batch brother. Exactly. Um, now, D3, Bombay and Charlie, when they're in the school and Bombay's talking, Bombay's like, I told Orion, you were the heart of the team, Charlie. But it kind of seems like Fulton and Portman are the heart of the team. Are they? Well, I mean, and we've touched on this before, how like it's almost force fed that Charlie is the leader. Charlie is the leader. Charlie is the leader. But we've, you know, we've delved into it, and we we kind of have always seen Fulton as you know the actual locker room leader. But Charlie's just he's the face basically of the team for whatever reason. That just is the case, even though he's a whiny little bitch. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. We know that's true. I but, think that Charlie has the potential to be the heart of the team, and that's why Bombay told Orion that. Because, I mean, if Charlie is on his game, and if Charlie, I think, plays up to his ability and, like, leads like he has, like he can, then it's true. Like, Fulton, I don't think you have to give him a pep talk to lead. I think Fulton can just go out and lead. Yeah. Charlie, as we've seen, he's mopey. He's not going to be a leader unless he wants to yeah so all right i mean is portman the same type of leader as fulton i don't think i i don't so much see portman as a leader I, he's more of i i don't know he's a key cog in the on the team but i don't i don't think he's like a locker room leader or a you know uh somebody that that you know the coach will go to and count on you know day in day out i just think he's a key cog in the machine um but at the same time, Portman's kind of the leader of Fulton there. I so could I could see Portman giving like an impassioned like uh, speech, you know, between the second and third period during a game where they're kind of like sluggish, yeah. and he he like kind of rattle the cages, be like, "What the hell are we doing? Yeah. You know, let's go out there and play like we know how we can do, and you know, not do it every game, but when they need it, I think he recognizes it. But I also think he probably plays a lot more emotion than yeah than the other guys. It's it's you know kind of inherent for him to to be that you know raw raw guy. to be vocal and but yeah. he's not like a guy that like day in day out at practice is gonna like you know help lead the team okay. you know on a day to day basis. That's all. So you're not giving him like DA or anything no. like that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, if you want to tell us who should deserve the A, you know what to do. Collecttech.com. Contact us. Get in some nice emails. Or iTunes. We got another review and another five stars. You can be the next five-star review. Tell us what's up. And then, obviously, at CollectTechPod on Twitter. Because, I mean, we're there all the time, you know, hanging out. So, with that, remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. <laughs>